Hey friends, it's Wednesday, June 15th, and I welcome you to today's episode of Enough for Today. Thanks for joining me. We are in the depths of Psalm 50. And before we dive back in, I just really urge you, I said it yesterday, but I urge you, I beg you to not rush through this psalm. If you're just getting pieces of it, go back in the timeline or the archive and get the whole psalm. Uh, God has surprised me, I think. I think he maybe surprised you too, but this is this is an amazing psalm, and I, th- I think every one of them becomes my favorite, but this is right up there. Um, so in the first six verses, God is introduced as a judge, okay, a, a one who's going to authoritatively speak to and vet the, the worship of people. Um, and, he, and he sets us on notice that he's the one that deserves and, and, and will do that and has the authority to do that. And then in verse 7, he begins to speak to what we would call believers, okay? In a, through a 21st century New Testament grid, um, these are believers. In, in, in an ancient view, these are believing Israelites, okay? So they genuinely believe God, but they've reduced him. Their perspective of who he is and what he wants has been radically diminished. And he's profiling, he's going to correct them, but he's doing it gently And in really verses 7 through 13, he is profiling errant worship, worship that's gone astray. And the basic sense of it is that they're just giving God stuff uh, in the form of offerings because they think that's what he wants, and they have lost the experience of God. Um, the, the, The God that these people are worshiping, the way they're worshiping in verses 7 through 13 is not a God to be adored or they're not experiencing him. Uh, He's not wonderful to them. He's not awesome. Uh, He's not a a joy or delight to them. They're doing what they're doing out of obligation, out of kind of a machinery, a rote machinery. It's just ritual. It's just tradition. They're just going through motions. They're giving him what they think he wants to get ultimately what they think they want from him, okay? And God is gently reproving and correcting. He's course correcting them. And he basically says, I don't need more of your stuff. I don't need more of your offerings. I want your heart. Now, in verse 14 and 15, he corrects their worship. So in this, this these two verses, he's going to course correct. And essentially, if I could... If I could give you the sense of verse 14 and 15, it, God is saying, I don't want a non-experiential or a non-authentic worship that's just going through motions and doing rote routines. What God is profiling in verse 14 and 15 is a kind of worship that is experientially authentic. I am experiencing a God of grace and mercy, generous love, lavish love, extravagant love. I'm experiencing that, which is going to provoke a thankful worship out of my heart. I'm going to want to say thank you to him. And then it's going to provoke devotion. I'm going to want to devote myself to him. Pay thy vows unto the most high. I'm going to elevate him in, in a position of honor in my life, not because I have to, but because that's the natural response of the experience of him. And it's an organic, delightful, wonderful, awe-inspiring experience. And in my trouble, I'm going to feel the freedom and the courage and the boldness to call out to him and experience his deliverance in trouble, out of trouble, and ultimately away from trouble forever. 
So we talked about deliverance from trouble. God says, call unto me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And so here it is, friend. A rote ritualistic verses 7 through 13 experience, uh, uh, a rote ritualistic traditional worship format that's mindless, heartless, lacking, void of experience. That does not glorify God. And in fact, it's going to be burnt up in, in verse 3. The fire of his purging uh, judgment is going to burn up that kind of worship. It's going to incinerate. The kind of worship God is calling forth, the kind that's really glorifying to him, is that organic experience of him that produces gratitude, devotion, and desperate cries of deliverance to him. Now he changes uh, the audience. So now he turns from the believing Israelites to what we would call unbelieving Israelites, okay? And in a modern vernacular, these are unbelievers who are religious. They're religious but unbelieving, okay? God calls them the wicked. Why does the term wicked apply? It doesn't mean that they're sold to debauchery and murderous mayhem. Uh, that could be, but it means that they have not been cleansed of sin. So in God's eyes, no matter how good we are in our own metrics, moralistically speaking, in God's eyes, an unbeliever is buried, literally just ostracized, dead to him because of wickedness, because of sin and guilt and shame. Okay, It's not to speak to the quantity of a kind of, a certain kind of wickedness. It is a judicial um it is a judicial reality. It is an existential reality. If I don't know Jesus in God's sight, I am wicked, okay? Uh, and if I do know Jesus judicially in God's sight, I am not wicked, okay? So you need to understand it's a judicial categorization, okay, based on um, the dealing with my sin before the courtroom of God, okay? So the wicked... Unto the wicked, God saith, or God says. So notice he turns his audience, verse 7, hear all my people. That's his first audience. Now he's going to turn to a different audience. What, are, what, what characterizes the wicked worshipers, unbelieving worshipers? What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? So the sense here is, is God is saying, why are you doing this? Why are you lifting up, declaring my statutes? Why are you speaking my covenant as though you are truly believing? Now, he's laying out a pre, kind of a presuppositional question because he's going to now indict them. Seeing, verse 17, you hate, thou hatest instruction castest my words behind me. Okay, so I want you to catch the deliberate, the willful, the knowledgeful, intentional disbelief on one hand, but then the the total fakery, the pretense. Now, you got to put yourself in the culture of an ancient Hebrew. They've been born into this system of Judaism. They've been told about this God and they've been taught and brought up in this system of worship. So it is, to these people, purely cultural and not spiritual. 
It is not transformational. It is not of faith. It has not saved them from sin. Um, there, there is no faith here. Okay, this is just total hypocrisy. There's no belief. There's just cultural compliance. It was uh, nearly impossible to be a part of the Jewish society, the Hebrew culture, and not go along with this. But these people have rejected the essence. The heart of God, faith in God, is not a part of their reality. So they're declaring his statutes, and they're pretending to have a covenant relationship with him, verse uh, 16. But verse 17, God calls him out and says, but you actually hate my statutes, my instruction. You actually hate it. Do you see the overt unbelief and hypocrisy? Oh, let's go to the temple and talk about God's beautiful laws. But as soon as they're out of sight, they hate his laws. They hate his instruction. They despise him. Castest my words behind me. They, they spit them out as soon as they get away from the scene of worship. Okay, so it's total pretense. This is the person that doesn't believe, but they've grown up in it. And so they go to church and they go along and they go along with the motions, but in reality, there's no belief, okay? It's just easier for them in their societal construct to go along to get along, okay? Um, that's what these people are. So you hate instruction, you cast my words behind you. Verse 18, when, when, when I'm gonna kind of smooth out some of the Elizabethan um, vernacular. When you saw a thief, then you consented with him. And you have been partaker with adulterers. So you're, you're a total criminal and you're a total adulterer, which indicates, okay, a life of unbelief, a faithless life, a life that despises God's heart, despises God's covenant, despises his instruction, and is just willful. Uh, these are not people that, that stumbled or fell into adultery. These are not people that found themselves in wrong situations and, you know, regret and repent. No, this is diabolical, intentional, uh, willful embracing of criminality and sexual perversion um, because of their unbelief, okay? Verse 19, you give your mouth to evil. Your tongue frames deceit. You're, you're, you're a pathological liar and deceiver. Your life is themed by these things. You, this is your true identity. Okay, this is not a this is not a struggling, growing believer. This is a an overt, willful unbeliever pretending in certain situations to be a believer, but then wholesale given over to a life of unbelief, okay? So God's laying out an indictment against uh, those that are in a worship context that are, um, that are overtly participating in, uh, in, in reality, their unbelief, okay? They're unbelievers. Now, we're gonna park it here. I went a little over time, or I'm kind of right up against my margin here, so I don't wanna go any further. But God is identifying that it's possible. Maybe here's where we need to apply this. Maybe you need to search your heart and say and ask yourself, am I a believer? Have I placed my faith in Jesus, the covenant with God by faith, grace, mercy? Or do I really despise God? And there's never been a moment of repentant belief. 
and I'm just going through motions to get along, to to make to convince everybody in my immediate sphere that I'm something that I am not. And then as soon as I can, I spit those words out and I go wholly into, um, into a willful kind of unbelief. My friend, that's a dangerous place to be. And as we read a little further, God is going to indict uh, this person and call them uh, to something very, very significant. So we'll park it here today. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining me. Again, if you haven't tracked along with us, catch up through, through this psalm. It's beautiful and it's wonderful. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you tomorrow.